0: Hi, I'm Hobie. I'm G. I'm Strangey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why is that funny? Oh, God. This is Tales of Togger, a WhatsApp group podcast packed full of absolute nonsense and some football. Uh, like and subscribe, is that what they say? Yeah, I
2: think so. Yes.
1: Yeah? How do they like and
2: subscribe? <laughs> Just just like, and I, I don't know, mate. We um, don't know. We do not know. Just that'll do. <laughs> Go to Tales of Togger Twitter. I'll post the link. Like it.
1: <laughs> Guess who's back? <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually put Eminem in at the beginning. No, I
0: will. Back. I fucking said I will. <laughs>
1: We're back in Tales of Togger. We're back. We're always back. And I'm back. The rains man. The rain man, but spelled R-E-I-G-N. The rains man. Corby Santa Claus. Uh, the main man. I don't know what I'm saying now. Can anyone help me? I'm Are you black. all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> back now. <laughs> um, Tales of Togger, the season finale. And what an episode we've got, packed. First of all, we've got rid of the shoddiness of the last episode by... Putting strangey back in his box. Listen, mate, you know Paxman. You know Paxman. Any thoughts? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> what
2: do you think, mate? I mean,
1: I, I did listen to the last episode, and it was it was a sham, really. It really was. Uh, what, I, I honestly,
2: I, it was a joy, mate. It was a joy. It was, yeah. it was just smooth. It was it was a nice chat. I mean, everything was, I know today is not going to be.
1: It was very smooth. I mean, the intro. Welcome to <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I kind of went into sort of adult phone line mode.
1: There. <laughs> oh dear okay uh, this week's episode the finale as I said before that we're gonna have a little break because frankly um strange you don't want to do it anymore. Um, Abby. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> so we're gonna have a couple of weeks' break reset uh, I just want to let everyone know season two. Season two, I'm getting Alan Kirbishly. I'm doing it, all right? It's going to happen. G, what do you think?
2: Oh, mate, I'd love kerbs. Hopefully, I'll be Rovers' manager by then as well. Right. Um, And for the last
1: episode, we are going to talk Celtic with our man Chrissy Morgan. Welcome, Chris.
3: How are you? All right, troops. I'm all right, thanks.
1: Excellent.
3: Good to be here. I've been listening to
2: you.
1: Really great. Really great that you're here. Uh, Then Chrissy will leave us. And then just for all our Liverpool fans out there, we are not, not going to have a Tales of Togger season without talking about the first time since I was in year seven of high school, Everton beat the copy Pricks. Come on! (laughs) So we'll be doing a little section on that. G-section. And obviously, we will be saying hello and thank you to our final sponsor of the series. Okay, um, Chrissy, you're living in Scotland at the moment. Yeah, I am. You're I'm a bit
3: the football ground, to be
1: honest. Excellent, and you're a big Celtic fan. Um, the first question that I have for you, and um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll warm into it. Why are Celtic shit? <laughs>
3: Honestly. Um, <laughs> It's just a total implosion, isn't it? I was gonna say, Oh, there's nothing to see here, but it's also like what do you want to talk about? Um, the manager, the performances, the after the performances, the interviews, the board, the way the club's being run, the Dubai trip, the the way the government is with the club, the, the fans. It's just total, total implosion. It's like spectacular to be honest. I'm just <laughs> <very> <laughs> I was over. going
1: to say, Chrissie, we've got, we've got 20 minutes, Max. I mean, I think. on? Okay. Well, let's start first of all with um, the failure. Um, uh, and, and I'm not twisting the knife here, but I didn't realize how important this was to Celtic fans and the club until you told me very recently, but let's talk about the failure to, to hit that record of 10 in a row. Um, what, just give the listeners a bit more context. Why is that so important to Celtic fans? What, I mean, nine titles in a row seems great for me when you support Everton, and the most you can do is get into the last 16 of the Worthington Cup.
3: Uh, yeah, well, obviously, you know, before Rangers went bust, there was the old firm. And so, like, the 10 in a row is like in Scotland is like the Holy Grail, because Rangers were going for the 10 in the 90s, and it got stopped. You know, like when Henrik Larsson was playing and that. Um, so they got nine and then their ten in a row got stopped and so it's like between the two clubs it's like the holy grail of like one-upmanship so that's why it was really big it was massive for the fans actually and everybody knew it was massive and it was just constantly all that was talked about and so it's just that adds to like how unbelievably like how crazy it's all been this season and how the board didn't get get that over the line do you know
1: yeah, and and so what? What do you think has happened this season? And let, let's stick first of all to um, the manager. Um, you again made a. It's been an education, to be honest, doing the prep for this episode. Um, you mentioned that Neil Lennon. Um, it came with a, a sense of disappointment when he was permanently given the managerial job on the second occasion. Um, you mentioned something about. Um, Everyone on the team buses or all the fans after oh, the yeah. cup win were disappointed when they just won a cup, but that was because of the sort of what, what the, the inevitability that um Lennon would be handed the permanent manager's job. So just expand on that for us.
3: Well, first of all, you keep making me breathe a sigh of relief after you've said you've said this. I'm like, oh no, what have I said? But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um well I was at that. Uh, game and it was like getting the treble, treble. So that was like getting the domestic treble three seasons in a row, um, and so that was that cup final. I'm pretty sure that's right, um, and so he got that over the line, and basically we came away from the stadium, and by the time we'd got back onto the supporters bus, um, it was announced that Neil Lennon had been given the job permanently. Um, and we just thought he was coming into kind of like caretaker just just to make kind of probably a smooth transition between Rodgers leaving and getting somebody in um so I think a lot of the Celtic fans were surprised um obviously he had some success in his first spell, but then he went away and like you saw what it was like at Bolton. I know that they were in free fall, but like uh. So Bolton was then on his CV, and then and then he left Hibbs as well. Um, so you just thought, well, is there not somebody else around with credentials that could take this mantle on and try and get this ten in a row? Uh, so it was a bit kind of deflating. But uh, Peter Lowell said at the time, he got he got offered the permanent job in the shower in the changing rooms after the game, <laughs> and Peter Lowell was like there was no decision to be made like almost as as if like why would we even think about it but if you're trying to deliver this 10 in a row thing surely it's like it's one of the most historical points in the club's hi- history in terms of like their honours so surely it's one of the biggest um, decision that you would think about the most so it was just a bit like a bit flat because I think the fans were expecting something and obviously they'd had Rodgers and that and the way that Rodgers left um, I don't think that sat very well with the fans, just the manner in which he conducted himself there. But at the same time, they'd had Rodgers um, delivering that those on-field performances and I think they expected, uh, because Rangers weren't really competing and obviously we were getting uh, all the Champions League money or whatever, all the European money, um, basically what I'm saying is the club was in a really good shape financially. Um, so... I just feel like that's why the fans are a bit deflated with it.
1: Yep. No, that makes sense. Uh, Stranger, let me bring you in as an outsider observing. You win the title after taking over from Brendan Rodgers, whether that means that the job was already done or it had more potential to um, go wrong simply because of a big change in the in the dugout duck- <laughs> and an adverse effect. Was there a decision to be made as an outsider looking in? If you if you come in, you study the shape, you you then win a cup and a title. Um, should you be given the job? Um, excuse me. Well,
0: for me as an outsider, as you say, looking at um, Scottish football, and don't get me wrong, I'm no expert. I'm absolutely no expert, and that's obviously why I've I've been really interested in what uh, Chris has had to say and discussing it with him in the past. Um, it's a two horse race, generally, isn't it? With Rangers, obviously, Rangers went through that real sort of tough period where they were went down the leagues and that kind of thing and had to rebuild uh, to where they are today. So it kind of, whilst it's a great achievement, of course it is, winning these trophies and that kind of thing, you would kind of, I guess, expect that to be happening at Celtic. Whoever was in charge, I suppose, as long as they were very capable. However, from a sort of someone who can just appreciate the coaches, for me, Brendan Rodgers is so far a cut above (sighs) Neil Lennon and his Sort of achievements and that kind of stuff in football that particularly in terms of the way that he ran Celtic as well uh, Rogers that is on the pitch um, that I kind of guess you would be a bit underwhelmed but I'm sure that as I say Chrissie can attest to that far more than I can because he's there, he's living it, he's seeing the games, he's watching them religiously, he knows what's going on on the pitch and to see that sort of transition into what they've become now is obviously apparent that they were right to be a bit down about it you know
3: yeah, so I th- I think there's an element of that with the whole Rodgers has kind of like done the job and so it was maybe a straightforward decision for the board to make. Someone who's like really well connected to the club and knows them really well just to see it over the line kind of thing. There's an element of that. Um, and then when Tom was talking about kind of like what it's like with the SPL, there's different elements to it all. So obviously if you're a club like Celtic, so the SPL... <laughs> Like I know, people say like all oh, about Sunday League, Pub League, and that, and it's it is misplaced because if you've got you've got like Celtic and Rangers, and they are comparable to like big, massive European clubs. They've got that kind of following, and it's like a global following as well. And they've got that pressure to win like every game they play domestically, kind of thing. So you've got them first, like showing the top two spots normally, and then um you've got your teams like Hibbs and. Aberdeen and stuff like that, um, ones that would get you kind of championship size followings, right down to it, what you would have in England. Um, so basically what I'm saying is all of all of the leagues are kind of down the road. They're all like there in the SPL. Um, and what you've got to do if you're Celtic is you've, you've got to be in front of it all. So you know like Man United had years and years of success because they're constantly um, bringing in players, and they were just keeping on the forefront of like tactics and and just everything really. And you've you've just got to be doing that. You can't just have somebody or they've they've done the job, and then we'll just bring somebody else in to take it over the line. You've got to be at the cutting edge because it's an insult to to some of the other clubs um, that have got brilliant coaching setups and that um, and they're constantly trying to chase. The top teams and they're constantly trying to adapt the tactics and and stuff like that. So so you really do have to be at the forefront. And so I do think there's an element of um, let's just get it over the line because it's kind of job done. A, a bit of complacency. Um, and I think like those factors they really need to be considered when you're running a club like Celtic. It needs to be like at the top all the time, and you need to put loads and loads of effort into that.
1: So stranger, what do you think? Um... Again, as a because it, it's a nice contrast, this a Celtic fan versus someone who I think it's fair to say knows of the um gravitas of the club, but at the same time would probably, without putting words in your mouth, contextualise um any Celtic lauding with, well, you're you're in the Sc- Scottish Premier League, you know. So, and and how would you do if you were in a better league? What is success? What is tangible success? For Celtic, it's clearly being in the top two, but how would you say on a more European level um, aspirations um, could be met? Now that that's too too loaded a question. That quite simply, what is success to Celtic in a European uh, level?
0: Uh, see, that's where it gets tough for me because I don't see I don't see Celtic as, and this is no disrespect to as Morg has alluded to the absolute magnitude of the club it's a huge huge football club but I don't see them as a, a European powerhouse in terms of footballing you know on the pitch stature should I say of course they're one of the bigger clubs in world football but in terms of actual producing on the pitch I don't see them challenging the top end of the European game but you'd certainly expect them to give more of an account of themselves as they have in recent years I remember you you know I used to watch him in the Champions League and in the Europa League in the midweek football when I lived at home with my dad and that kind of thing, because it was always on, you know, European football in the week. And Celtic would always feature. You know, you'd look at Celtic against Barcelona, Celtic against Juventus. Some of these big ties that happened when they were sort of making a, a run at, Euro- at decent European football. And of course, you didn't expect them to go all the way, but you expected them to be competitive and give a decent account of themselves. I don't know if that's me being unfair or not, Again, Morgan, please jump in on this. But is that fair to say? You just want to... An expectation of Celtic fans would be to give a decent account of themselves on the biggest stage in European football?
3: Yeah, they they do want the European powerhouses. I mean, like, obviously they won. They were like... They won the European Cup in 1967 and that, which is obviously a different time. But And that was with local lads and stuff. Um, it's not, not doable. But what's frustrating the fans is taking those next steps and they were on the cusp of like make, making like massive steps forward with um coaching and just like sports science and just everything um every modern aspect of the game and stuff and the youth set up and developing players and we've seen we've seen a lot of Scottish players go outside of the SPL and make it. Well, not even Scottish ones but players that have been playing in the S P L and then they've made the step uh into Places like the Premier League and stuff, and so they they were they were like in a way kind of ready to move forward and forward and just keep slowly, slowly developing. It is really difficult though when your TV money's like less than English Championship size get, you know, and um, some some leagues around Europe are getting like millions and millions. Um, so we, we do rely on like. European qualification and the bonus money that comes from stuff like that. So, so getting far in Europe is massive. But I think what what we kind of try and do is um, put a lot of effort in right at the beginning of the season in terms of European qualifications and that because that that just adds money to the bank, transfer kitty, and that. And then that allows you to kind of it helps you to dominate domestically, um, kind of like at home. Um, so, but. Celtic fans are always wanting to be like at the top, and there's been having some great nights. Like um, you've seen, you mentioned like the Barcelona, so that was under Neil and beating them two one. Um, I went to watch them against Inter Milan. It was three three. It was cracking atmosphere. I went to watch them against Man City. The same, um, and just the European nights are great. They're quality atmosphere and stuff, um, but it's that's it's that leap between using it for the financial benefits of dominating Scotland and making that next step up to actually, like, competing in Europe. But they were making progress with that, I think, but it's just kind of regressed all in a season. It's just totally gone 180 degrees, you know.
1: So, in terms of um, Neil Lennon, uh, he's obviously now uh, left the club, uh, pushed, shoved, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I I don't think it's as clear as he's resigned, given the fact that six or eight weeks before that, he said he would never resign, but let's part that to one side for now. Um, okay, we're going to play the who do you want to be the next manager? And uh, Strangey and I will, uh, well, Strangey will give his suggestions as well. And I will have power of veto just in case any of you think that you're going to get uh, Carlo Ancelotti at Parkhead. Okay. <laughs> uh, no. uh, go on, give us, give us a couple of, of shouts there, um, Morgan. Uh, who would you like to see come in there?
3: I honestly don't know. Um, it is a bit like you have just introduced it. Like when you, whenever Celtic need a new manager, you you just go on Google and you look at all the names being flying about, and it's just absolutely everybody. And it's like the top top managers, um, a few Irish ones, and just like stuff like that. Whereas really, when R- Rodgers left and Lennon came into, we thought it was to caretaker. I just wanted somebody competent, you know, like somebody who's tactically aware and somebody who would like know the opposition and respect the opposition, but also dominate the league. So, like, uh, but some of these championship men obviously like being from Preston and that I knew like how Alex Neil was getting on and that, but uh, the Celtic fans don't want that because they they regard the job as too big for people like that, and maybe that's that's the Celtic fans' experience and they've got and they've got a right to say stuff like that. But I just wanted somebody competent. Um, it it just frustrates me when like massive, massive names are banded about. When you just want to kind of, you just want a competent manager. Because Steven Gerrard, it, it, he he will say whatever's going on across the road, we'll just concentrate on ourselves and all that. And everyone's saying he's doing a great job and stuff, and he should be the next Liverpool manager because he's still in the UEFA Cup. But like we said before, Lennon. Done stuff in the Champions League. Does that mean he should be like managing Real Madrid? I don't know. But anyway, that's just a. Maybe I'm making a dig there. But what I'm trying to say is, just want somebody competent. People are talking about Eddie Howe. Maybe you do a job. I don't know. Um, it, it's it's one of those. You need somebody who who knows how to win every every fixture, because that's the pressure that comes with the job. So you're looking for somebody who 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 you think can take that on. At the same time, you're also recognizing that you've got to get a manager who's willing to come to Parkhead at the same time. So I don't know, maybe somebody, everyone seems to be talking about Eddie Howe, but I'm not that fussed to be honest, because I think there's people as competent as him that I would take as well. But I, I don't really know who to, who to, what names to bandy about. People are talking about um, Michael O'Neill, is it, and stuff like that. I don't know. I just don't know. People are talking about Roy Keane.
1: What about um, Marco Silva?
3: I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'll> take him. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, I mean, you lot know, you, you obviously know a lot, lot more about kind of Premier League, European, um, and those kind of managers and stuff. Um, I, I just think Celtic needs some somebody who's like a, a very good tactician and very like modern as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, when you were saying about what the requirements for the job were, I can't deny I was thinking, who it, it, it could fit this? And, and listen, Marco Silva, uh, by the end, didn't do a, a, a great job at Everton. But at the same time, he didn't do... I, I think Everton is a horrific club to manage, I really do, but that's for another podcast. But he's got European experience, he's won leagues abroad, Um mm-hmm. uh, and, he, and he's a modern man, but maybe I, I, I feel like this is the third or podcast I've tried to get Marco Silver a job. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> are you his fucking agent or what? <laughs> I know what you say. It's gone recently, like, oh, uh, the post-match interviews are like the players are like lacking confidence. It's all these like woolly ideas, and the fans just want to hear like the manager know what each player's role was and know where it went wrong and been like he should have been doing this or that and or this is where it went wrong. Instead of just saying. It's confidence because we can see that the squad's had like is in total shell shock. That it's like what's happened this season, but you need to buy into a manager who kind of comes across that it's not these concepts of confidence and that it, it's kind of like these play passages of play and tactics and formations because that's the way football's gone. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's re- heavily <laughs> analysed.
1: Definitely. Strange. What about you? Any, any shouts for the Celtic manager, job?
0: Well, I had a little look on uh, sort of before I came on about you know who's favourite and that kind of thing and what the sort of current odds and that sort of stuff are. So I've got a few names to just fire out there. The joint favourites are Eddie Howe, as you mentioned, Morgan, and a guy called John Kennedy. And I'm being really naive. Here. I don't know who that is. So John sorry Kennedy. about that. If he's a if he's a serious player in in the world of Scottish football, maybe or what I don't know, but he's five to one joint favourite with Eddie Howe. Who's that, Morgan?
3: Help me out. John Kennedy's. Um interim manager that just now he's he's from round here and he's um he's been at the club for a long while. Um so he's just kind of spent a lot of time in Scottish football to be honest. Um I'm with you. A lot of the Celtic support are not interested in John Kennedy. Um, right. I don't know whether it, I, I think it's just that they want a kind of a a well known manager with a with a C V, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, some of those
3: that are on the list,
0: uh, just bringing up the rear. Uh, next favourite is Steve Clark at 6-1. to one. Um, And then you've got some outsiders that were mentioned were Sean Dyche, Martin O'Neill, Frank Lampard and Roberto Martinez at 10-1. to one. Oh, yes! Morgue Pie! <laughs> I knew he'd like that. Any thoughts on some of those there, Morgus?
3: Yeah, I like Roberto Martinez. Um he always get he, i think he got linked the last time i'm sure his wife's from scotland and that, uh, i don't know whether that's where he gets linked um yeah i mean there's a lot of people who would who have talked about taking the job in the past you know like david Moyes said that he he would have like considered it and stuff obviously not now but um a lot of these names get linked all the time yeah. um i don't know if, I, I, I don't know if it was good that when rodgers came he like obviously he was from the north of Ireland and stuff, and he, he he mentioned he played on like his links with being a boyhood Celtic fan and that, but he wasn't really closely affiliated with the club. So I don't know it'd be good to have somebody who's kind of not of that ilk. Do you know just it you just to freshen it up, just to fresh their eyes yeah. and um, just somebody that it's not to do with like having past links to past success and just they're just bring a bit of perspective about what we're aiming to do here and basically it's to dominate um, Scotland first and foremost. So I think just a modern manager that's not got any links, but there's, I don't know, people People just talk about people like Henrik Larsson and that. It's, it's not out of nowhere because they are doing well in the coaching roles, you know. Um, is it Maloney as well who's um, at Belgium? Sure,
1: yeah, Sean Maloney is a coach at Belgium with uh, Roberto's.
3: Yeah, they're talking about, obviously he's getting some pedigree kind of being talked about, that he's doing quite well coaching and stuff like that. But I, I just don't know. I, I just think somebody who, who comes in and just pressens it open, everyone buys into them is the key. Because I, I just think that, that that's what's going wrong. You, you know, like, you need your leaders on the pitch, because the reason that you have leaders all over the pitch is because they're buying into something, they know exactly what their role is, and they know exactly what everyone else's role is as well so you've got your captain on the pitch but you've also got all these voices and it's all positive communication you know you know like when Tom you were going through goalkeepers in one of your episodes and Tom was talking about Peter Schmeichel being an angry man and I think that's what you're talking about with leaders all over the pitch um when everyone knows what they should all be doing I just want a manager to come in that can kind of bring that back you know
1: yeah no definitely um Okay, let's let's talk about one one final thing. Um, I would like from you, Morgan, to know, and from you, Strangey, who is the best Celtic player in the modern history? Um, so don't go back to the sort of seventies, uh, because I won't be able to ask any further clarifying questions if you do. Um, you know, like I don't know Jock Gould or someone like that from <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, yeah, t- talk to me. Uh, let's start with you, Strange. Who, who's the, the best Celtic player in the modern era?
0: It has to be Henrik Larson, doesn't it? Surely. Yep. I mean, yep. everyone loves him and he just fucking scored for fun, didn't he? So, uh, I, yeah, listen, again, don't watch Scottish football uh, too frequently, as I've already alluded to. But I remember growing up, he, he was on the telly every weekend for scoring another brace, another goal, firing him to the Championship, all that kind of stuff. It has to be, surely, right? Yeah, 100%. Yep.
3: He's like top. I think he went into the top three all-time scorers, and then he obviously went away to so other clubs, done exactly the same thing. He was just a total class act. But also, the full thing with like stopping the ten, um, just cult hero status, as well as being just an an amazing player. Um, I don't think anyone comes close. I think everybody would say Henrik Larson, to be honest. I, I know, like, there is a bit of a conversation to be had in terms of like gr- great things that have come out of Celtic, um, in the modern. Here and stuff and obviously you'll probably point to the way kind of maybe like van dyke went down uh to the premier league and then what he's worth now that kind of thing but um everybody would say Larson.
1: okay so um so let's go through some honorable mentions and maybe a yay or nay uh, as to whether they're at the top table um from both of you first one steve guppy <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm going to say yay
2: purely because of comedy.
1: Yeah.
3: What, what, what was the grounds for this research that
2: you did? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Next one, Muzzy, is it? Mm. Class Act? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all also former Leicester players at the moment. Yeah. Um,
3: Stephen right. Frog. Yeah. Are you all right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Froggen played for uh, Celtic, didn't
3: he? These all get mentions before, like Samaras and.
1: Oh, yeah, remember Samaras? Yeah. Hey, hey, no spoilers, stop reading off the no. hymn sheet.
3: Right. <laughs>
1: um, and Chris Sutton,
3: not in the mix? Yeah, he's annoying me at the moment because he, he was mourning as a pundit even when everything was going like, really, really well. So now it's just like superman, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Morgus, can I just very quickly ask about
3: Stylian Petrov? How highly is he thought of up there?
0: Oh, he's a fucking Villa legend. I love him.
3: Yeah, all he has to do is be around, and the place goes mad for him. Fucking get in! It's great. Um, yeah, total, total legend. Fucking get um, in! Just part of like, well, they call it the Celtic family. a Massive part of the Celtic family.
1: Hero. Brilliant. Well, on that note, thank you very much, Chrissy. That was thoroughly enjoyed. Another education, mate. Did you enjoy it?
3: Yeah, it was great.
1: Good man, good man. And uh, yeah, we'll join the rest of the listeners after a break with our Merseyside Derby slash Hammers Rodriguez Love Fest. Um, and Chrissy, uh, we'll speak to you soon. Yep.
3: Yeah, okay. See you later. Lad. Cheers, buddies. Cheers. Bye.
0: This week's show is sponsored by Sutton's Mutton. Former Blackburn and Celtic striker Chris Sutton has opened three, yes three, butcher's shops in the Glasgow area specialising in that elusive cut mutton, that's Sutton's Mutton. Available to order online, get £10 off your first butcher's pack by using the promo code TOT, that's T-O-T when you check out for £10 off your first butcher's pack at Sutton's Mutton. We thank you for sponsoring the show, Chris.
1: Oh, Morgan. That was lovely. G, thank you very much for uh, having an active um, participant uh, status within that. I mean, wh- where did you go, mate? Uh, what's going on with the Wi-Fi over in
2: Helsinki? I don't know. We have some issues. There's, there's some geyser. You know Mikel Forsell. He, he sometimes fucking plays practical jokes and comes and turns my Wi-Fi off. So. Ah, I, see,
1: I see. No, fair point. I mean, there's so many questions, as, but let's not. Okay, let's not. Let's move on to what we've all been waiting for. What What the the crowd, the crowd apparently, we're now doing this live in the stadium. That's where we're going. That is where we're going. Live discussion oh. section of Tales of Togger.
0: For certain. Live tour.
1: Yeah, I think that's the one, isn't it? Arena I mean, tour. Yeah, and in the background, it's just the rude sandstorm all the way through it for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Okay, so we're going to talk about what everyone wants us to talk about, which is the Merseyside derby. Um, Guys, start with you, G. Talk to me about Everton's performance.
2: Uh, It's a while ago now. I've forgotten about it, to be honest, mate. Um, Remember. Yeah, they they, they played well. Liverpool are poor at the minute, aren't they? I mean, I wouldn't get overexcited if I were an Everton fan. Um, Yeah, I'm sure you're happy with the win. But... Like I say, you were playing a Liverpool team in a bit of, bit of a bad spot at the minute. So I expect normal normal things to resume next year when Steven Gerrard takes over.
1: Right, well, excellent. Uh, I'm not coming to you for any more questions now. Uh, Strangely, let's hype this up. I mean, talk to me about Everton's performance and particularly the defensive shape that Carlo Ancelotti seems to instilled in players that under Marco Silva and Sam Allardyce uh, look like bins. yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, listen, um, I, I was really impressed with Everton on the night. And, I, you know, I've been generally impressed with them this season, as I've mentioned. Um, whilst G says, you know, Liverpool are shit and they've got some injuries and all that kind of stuff, this is still the first time that they've beat them in, like, 21 years. So, they've definitely played worse Liverpool teams in that time and got beat. So, absolutely get excited and, you know, have your moment. I, I complete, I'm i on board, you know. Don't take it with a pinch of salt. Fucking let them have it. Um they were really good. They were really, really good, Everton. Really nice shape, as you mentioned. Defensively, look, a completely different unit under uh, under Ancelotti. And that's just his experience and his tactical acumen, isn't it? He's just got them all singing from the same hymn sheet. You look like a team, you know, a real team effort, as I mentioned in the sort of team of the season uh, episode last week. Um, it's hard to single out individuals for praise because they're all playing really well, so... Yeah, really impressed with the back four um, and the two in midfield, uh, as I've mentioned many times. Um, but yeah, listen, really good performance and thoroughly deserve the win, mate. Well done.
1: No, oi, oh, get in. Absolutely get in. Um, Carlo Ancetti, um manager of the our lives?
0: Um, probably calmed down slightly, but...
1: Okay, fair. So, specifically, G, you talk about um, the fact that Liverpool aren't playing very well. I mean, is is that the case in terms of they're not playing well? So, whenever you beat Liverpool, it's it's not a big uh, what's the word? It's not a big surprise. And therefore, are you suggesting that we're looking at a Liverpool side that by the end of the season? Um, will be finishing in the bottom half. I'm just trying to see how far we can take your point on that.
2: Uh, no, I won't go that far, mate. But I think, I think they're going to struggle to get top four. They're going to have to turn it around very quickly, aren't they? West Ham don't look like stopping. Um, so, yeah, I think they might struggle to get top four this season. Yeah, I mean, who is your top four at the moment? It changes every week. Uh, so, we'll go City, Leicester, United and West Ham.
1: So, yeah. so, Villa, who you said they would get top four two weeks ago, they're not going to get the top four now, are they not? Uh, no, nah, fifth. Fifth, got you. Got right. You. And, and sixth, City,
0: don't get me wrong, but...
1: yeah, And City now are going to finish in the top four.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think they're going to win the league, aren't they? I, I, have to, I have to kind of admit they are going to win the league. Which is just... I watched them against West... But West Ham played well the other day. Um, but, yeah, I watch City West Ham and I watch City in Champions League. They're just so boring, aren't they? No. It's just a pain no. to watch. No, no. <laughs> it's
1: glorious. It's, it's glorious football. It's pure football and you're an idiot. And so,
2: no,
0: just quickly football. before we move on so far, Leicester are now going to finish above United, are they?
2: No, sorry. I, that, I shouldn't have put that in that order. Um, no, I'd be United second, I imagine. Right. <laughs> but, it, but even
0: when United do finish second, you're going to owe me £20 because you bet me that they would finish above City at the start of the season, correct?
2: Yeah, I do remember that mate.
1: Yes. Excellent. Just checking. Gee, <laughs> just I think it's a, a good time as any. Just have a minute. Just have 30 seconds a minute to just think what do I actually believe? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just just get your just get your list right will you?
1: Just have... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I completely understand that you talk that much shite on a regular basis. It's hard to to see the wood from the trees. But at the moment it's just, it's diarrhea. It's not even it's not <laughs> even shit. It's just runny, full <laughs> well,
2: What what do you think of that top four though? Do you not agree with that? City United, Leicester, West Ham in that order?
1: No, I can't I can't see West Ham um finishing above Chelsea. I think Chelsea will be the fourth team.
2: I think they'll win today. Big game that week, Me mean strange discussed it the other day, but uh, do I think they'll win today?
1: Well, first of all, I think uh, I'm just looking at the Leicester and uh Arsenal teams, and uh, honestly, if Leicester don't win that game, I mean, they really are bottle jobs because Arsenal are just terrible, absolute squad. they've got Nani and Xhaka holding midfield, oh, it's horrible, isn't it? Horrendous, mate. Um, but anyway, let's not get uh sidetracked here. Um Let's talk about the, the tactics. So, I mean, it's well-documented. And I'm going to throw in the, a bit of a slur on Danny Murphy. And I try not to uh, to bash people too much for having an opinion. But it's really lazy punditry uh, that Danny Murphy throws in the... That's, um, I you won't remember this. Throws in about three months ago. Do you remember when Everton went through a little slump where they lost, like... They started their house on fire this season. And then they lost maybe two or three games in a row, Newcastle, Southampton. And Danny Murphy jumps on talk sport uh, with Jim and Simon Jordan and says, well, I never thought this was going to be a good appointment. And for all intents and purposes, um, what I've heard is that uh, Ancelotti isn't very tactical. It's more, you know, go out there and and do your best. Well, if you read any book from any manager that has any sort of knowledge of uh, Carlo Ancelotti, you just know that that's, Absolute nonsense. But um, he came out, uh, Danny Murphy, after the game and said, oh, well, he went, went with a back back three or a back five, whatever you want to call it, against Liverpool and, and nullified them. And, you know, he does his budget match of the day rubbish in order to uh, illustrate the point. Did you guys see Jamie Carragher's um, uh, analysis where he was basically showing that Seamus Coleman was a right midfielder, um, man-marking the left back of Liverpool. Did you guys see that? I did.
0: Um, I, I really, really enjoyed Carragher's analysis of that game, actually, because it wasn't his usual, you know, Liverpool bias and all that kind of stuff. He was really objective and he really made some fantastic points, I must say.
1: So going back to that point on the the, the very tactical aspect of it, G, I mean, can we all, can we agree that uh, Andy Robertson, out of the two full-backs, two brilliant full-backs, um, but... Andy Robertson is the better one, and Carlo Ancelotti did a job on them by uh, employing Seamus uh, Coleman out there.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that in a way. I mean, if you look at the stats for Liverpool the last couple of seasons, I think if you do nullify the full-backs, you take away their main threat. They seem to... A lot of it comes to working it to the fullbacks, doesn't it? So, yeah, I think stopping them two getting forward and making them, making them defend as well is, is the, the best way to get round it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I saw as well Carragher saying, and actually took the emotion out of it," where he thinks that's where Everton have failed a lot yeah. of times over the years.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, Carragher's spot on there. I mean, I really, really don't like Carragher talking about Everton because it, you, you imagine it's just it's your ex girlfriend talking about your relationship. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, he, he's not an Everton fan anymore. He's a Liverpool legend, I guess. And uh, he constantly talking about Everton as if he's the union rep for Everton just because he's a scout. <laughs> and it really annoys me. However, um he what he said corroborated a, a fantastic article in the Athletic by I think it was I think it was Paddy Boyland, but there's there's two. There's Greg O'Keefe and Paddy Boyland on the Athletic for Everton. Shout out, boys. Yeah, love your work. Um G loves your work more, I'll be honest. I, I think it's average, but he's he's, he's, he's safe.
2: What Never read doing? a word, mate. Never read a word. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but no, they, they wrote a fantastic article saying that actually uh, when they were staying in the hotel the night before, uh, a, a mischievous Liverpool fan let off uh, the alarm in the hotel, woke all the Everton players up at 1am. Um, so they, they had to have like a roll call at 1am. Um, obviously before the game, at 1am of the morning of the game. Uh, and Ancelotti was all the way through the week, just focusing on the fact that it's just another game. It's more about getting getting European football. And apparently, before the game, started telling all the players, don't worry, you'll win today. And when, without that pressure of, we have to win, we have to win, and almost the certainty of a world-class manager, I think you're right, G, it, it showed. And obviously, that was picked up, up on with uh, Jamie Carriger. Um, is that another suggestion uh, or point towards Carlo Ancelotti, regardless of it being the Everton manager, he'd been one of the great managers, strangely in the league.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, you cannot knock Ancelotti and his credentials. Not only before he arrived at Everton and what he'd done in the game in the world of football, but he he, he has made an immediate, fantastic impact on the club. You know, as you say, tactically they just look more sound. They look like everybody on the pitch knows exactly what their role is and what they're doing and they're doing it as a as a unit so you 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 can't, even the staunchest liverpool fan could not criticize any any of Carlo Ancelotti's work at Everton to
1: this point surely yeah. um and then uh, the final bit that I want to talk about um f- especially for all the cop acts that are listening is um how amazing is it that you know they've spent all that money at liverpool um and you know how much did, did the character cost i think it was is it, oh God, was it up to 50 million? I can't remember. How much did Kaita cost?
0: Yeah, I think it was something like that. It was like 30 odd up front and then a, a few add ons or something. I'm not sure exactly of the, of the total amount, but it was big money though.
1: Oxley Chamberlain, 35 million, even though he had six months left on his contract. Um, Who'd have thought um, that, you know, with a bit of savviness, you could bring in uh, the best left foot in world football in Hammers Rodriguez for a free? And you watch him just torment that backline. <laughs> oh God, he's glorious, isn't it? Gee, talk to you about Hamas Rodriguez. You, you had your, um, I think it's fair to say, your reservations. He you started well, and then he sort of struggled with some of the intensity. But surely, even you, as our resident Katie Hopkins, can't disagree that he's been a, a wonderful, wonderful addition to the league and to Everton.
2: He's been okay, and he? he's. I mean, the way you talk about him, he's like you've got Bruno Fernandes up there. He, he's been okay; he's not played badly. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a luxury player, and he like said, No, not for me, mate. Not for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not brilliant. Uh, it's, it's over to you. I mean, talk about that through ball. What a pass for Richard. Yeah,
0: Lovely assist, uh, yeah, and, he, and you know he played well. And I, you know me, I've had my doubts over him in, in the bigger games. And I thought that he might—I d- I didn't think he'd play. If I'm being perfectly honest, um, they go for a bit more of an industrious setup. But um, as you mentioned, uh, I think it was a, a couple of weeks earlier when he, were, he didn't play against Man City. You said he'll play against every other team in the league. Man City just—you're just running and chasing your shadows, and that's not for him. But against any other team, he'll be there to unlock things and make things happen. And you might be spot on. Uh, he had a good game. Yeah, it was decent.
1: Yeah, I think that the, I'd like to clarify that point. The only other game I wouldn't play, Hamas Rodriguez, is Leeds United. Because what's the point? No, fair. Yeah. Why play him in a game where it's it's really about um, as many sprint races as you, as, you, as you can possibly fit into 90 minutes of football? I mean, yeah. it's quite literally just. Make the pitch as big as possible. Let's have a race.
0: Yeah, and we fucking won that race last night. Fucking have that.
1: No, great result, that. It was a great result. All right, uh, well, let's leave it there. Um, uh, I think we've certainly made up for lost, lost time on that. Uh, any Liverpool fan listening, listen, I don't think you're crap. I don't think it makes you any less of the team that you've been for two years. Two years, probably being the best team in the world. Uh, certainly, what uh, for one of those, last season you were the best team in the world. I'd argue the year before, when you won the Champions League uh, that City was still better because of what they did in the league but listen mate it doesn't matter mate apparently I'm talking to (laughs) one individual listen it doesn't matter Um, but the streak is over we're Brock Lesnar yeah you're the undertaker you're past news mate you're you're not even top 10 I don't know (laughs) what I'm saying now this has been Tales of Togger Uh, welcome back to the final part of today's Tales of Togger. It's been brilliant to be back at the helm and regulating this uh, absolute clusterfuck of a podcast. Uh, it's the season finale today and uh, we've been over Celtic, we've been over Hammers, Rodriguez FC and now we're coming to G segment which he promises, given the fact that it's the last one of the current
2: season, last episode, will be the best one yet. G, over to you, sir. Right, so we've got a bit of a Scottish theme today with um with the Celtic episode, so we've got another quiz, got Ooh. Another quiz you? yeah, so what I've got here is I've got five players, and I've got the career maps which have crossed over between the Premier League and Scottish Premier League right, so, so I'm going to read them out, and I want the first person to guess which player this is
1: oh, nice, 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 okay. Nice. So- Okay, let's go. So, so, number
2: one, from 1997 to 2003, he was at Rangers. In 03 to 05, he then played for Blackburn. Colin 05, Hendry. Colin Hendry? Colin Hendry. <laughs> 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 he listened told- to Ian. Sorry, go on, mate. Right. Then all five to nine, you can't jump in at any time. But obviously, don't be ridiculous, calling fucking Hendry. <laughs> <laughs> Ninety-seven, Hendry had already won a Premier League title by then.
1: Oh yeah, fair point.
2: So anyway, sorry. So all 5 he was at Blackburn. He then went back to Rangers. All five to nine. Then two thousand nine to two thousand eleven, moved to the best club in the Midlands in Birmingham. Two thousand eleven. <gasps> 2014, he was at Blackpool, and then 14 to 15, he spent at Clyde. Jeez oh Christ! I have no idea. This, this is, is a cracker, is it, it. Is it uh, Barry Ferguson? Correct.
1: Correct. Yes, yay. Yeah. Nice. Well done, Strange. Scump <laughs> Who, by <laughs> the way, uh, I believe was actually really, really uh, after. Uh, I think we were after him. I'm going to sneeze lad, Sorry. Uh, we were after him for a while, ever, and then he ends up signing for Rovers. He was a bit of a letdown, were not he, at Rovers? Is that right?
2: Uh, I liked him. I, I I liked him. He'd be captained as well at times. He, he were a bad player, mate, but he didn't settle in England, apparently. Oh, really? Which is strange that when he came back to England eventually, but um, and, and the fact that it's fifty miles down the road. But hey, never mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
2: yeah, but no, I, I, yeah, it, yes, it was disappointing because he had quite a big reputation in Scotland, but yeah. yeah. No, I like Barry. I liked him. Nah, goal, mate. Next one. <laughs> right, number two. Uh, he was at Newcastle from 1991 to 1993. I'm not sure if either of you two will get this, because uh, actually, yeah, one of you should. Um, Bolton from 1993 to 1998. He was then at Villa from 98 to 2000. Oh, God. Then he moved to Celtic from 2000 and to 2000. Petro. Incorrect. Yes. Alan Thompson. Alan Thompson, correct. Fuck's sake. I'm flying. Right, next one. Um, so this one. He started at Falkirk from ninety-two to ninety-six. John McGinley, sorry. John McGin <laughs> Mark-, <Right. laughs>
0: Mark Kerr, four hundred and twenty-five grand, Falkirk, championship manager one or two.
2: 96 to 97, he was at Hearts. Oh, nope. um,
1: uh, Stephen Presley.
2: Nope, sorry. 96 to 99, he was at Hearts.
1: Ah, oh, sorry. No, that's not Stephen Presley.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, it was 96 to 97, but he's still not Stephen Presley. But then, 97 to 2007, he was at Everton. Oh, oh, David Weir. David Weir, Correct. So that makes it two-one strange. All to play for. Ninety-three to ninety-five, he was at Melbourne Knights. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he was. Like ninety-five to ninety-eight, he was then at Dynamo Zagreb. Jesus. He then moved to Celtic between ninety-eight and two thousand. Still, Still in the Nope. In two thousand, he moved to Leeds. And he was there until 2004. Uh, Mark Viduka. Correct. Yeah. Nice. So, Strangers won, but we'll go through the last one anyway. Yeah, do it anyway. Right, so 2002, 2008, he was at Rangers. Then, oh, wait. Rod Wallace. Rod Wallace. (laughs) 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 Jesus
0: Christ. What's wrong with that? No, it's just, it's just how it just pops in your head immediately.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks like that? 2008 till 2011, he was at Spurs. Uh, Ste- um,
1: um,
2: Stephen Everson. Um, what? Oh, Alan Hutton. Alan Hutton, correct. <laughs>
0: Christian Seeger. <Ziga>. The <laughs> Scottish Cafu. Fucking come <laughs> in! Take
1: went for Strange, 4-1 no nice I enjoy that so Gee, your segments have come on leaps and bounds haven't they not too bad are they they have actually I'm I'm impressed gee. good one that mate no you're doing you're doing a lot better at a lot of things and just to let you know we appreciate you cheers pal thanks Thanks, means a lot no no we do especially you know since rehab which I know we're not to talk about but it's fine (laughs) <laughs> okay, thanks very much to G, thanks very much to Strangey. Um, just before we go, uh, that's the end of the first season of Tales of Togger. Uh, what, what did you think then, uh, G? Was it everything you wanted it to be when uh, when you <laughs> bizarrely started uh, conversing with Strangey about having a podcast?
2: Uh, yeah, I guess so a bit. I mean, I'm, I'm not rich yet. I've not seen any money for this yet, which which kind of was the object. But well, hey, you still it's always trying, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, you still owe me for renting out that fucking horrendous studio.
2: Yeah, but remember that time I got the tapas in? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, bizarrely, no, I don't remember
2: that, no. <laughs> you.
1: Yourself, uh, tells of Togger, has it been enjoyable?
0: It's been great, mate, it's been great. Been a good laugh, yeah, definitely uh, exactly what I expected, which was budget nonsense, but um, listen, a good fun all the same and uh, onwards and upwards we'll we'll have them royalties rolling in soon I'm certain
1: Excellent Uh, Thanks very much to all our guests this season and uh, we'll see you in Season 2 of Tales of Togger